You are tuned into a Heads and Tails NFL Injury Report, where each week we discuss the latest injuries and sports health buzz surrounding the league in an attempt to make football safer to play at all levels. Dr. Wazim Bush provides expert medical insight, while my buddy Josh Boyd keeps us up to date on all current events and provides play-by-play analysis. And my name is Kevin Song, and I provide the perspective of a former player with a passion for changing a football culture that nearly took my life. If this is your first time to the show, I recommend checking out some of the athlete and expert interviews that we have previously published on this podcast. For detailed show notes and videos from this episode, go to headsandtails.org backslash injury reports. Welcome back to an all new episode of the Heads and Tails Injury Report. We are, <laughs> I was trying to get super serious, but I just can't do it. Uh, yeah, so we're, we just finished up week three of the NFL season. We're going to talk about all the injuries like we normally do. I think the highlighted injury for this week is uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's torn ACL. Uh, after moving through some of the various injuries, not a ton of injuries this, this week. Uh, Which we're is gonna, a good thing, right? Yeah, always. All right. Uh, we'll move on to what everyone's talking about today, and that's the roughing the passer rule and how frequently it is being called, and a lot of times controversially. Uh, and I think that's pretty much going to be the most of it. But and then we'll also talk about the NFL way to our NFL way to play player of the week for week two, um, ejections, other random stats and different analysts opinions. Uh, but yeah, let's start it off with good old Jimmy boy, Jimmy Garoppolo, San Francisco 49ers quarterback with a torn ACL quarterback ACL. Never good. Um, so this happened later in the game. He was scrambling out of the pocket, um, had a first down, down by the goal line, and instead of stepping out of bounds, he tried to plant and get a, two extra yards, and uh, you could just see when his left leg planted against the sideline, his knee kind of just unbuckled, <laughs> as we've said so far this year. Well done. The knee unbuckled. Well and, done. And that was it. So, uh, I mean, he did end up getting hit pretty hard. So he stayed down for a second, and it was – you're unsure at first if it was his leg ahead or um, if it was uh, something else. And then you saw the injury – or you saw the replay, and it was kind of clear that it was his uh, <laughs> it was his knee. Um, <laughs> it's, we're good now. It was his knee. Um, so it's disappointing for the 49ers. That was like a trendy uh, up-and-coming pick for uh, this season um, to – just because he he started five games last year, he went five and zero. Oh. Everyone liked their prospects for this year. Uh, they got a little bit younger, um, and now in third week of the season, they are looking uh, looking for a quarterback answer for the rest of the year, and they're probably not going to be able to find one. So it's pretty much all been done. Doctor Wise, did you see this vid? These boys are learning. These boys are learning. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, it it's exactly as uh, Josh kind of described it. Knee buckled, suffered that valgus mechanism. He just went right Where in. Where the knee goes in. Oh, yeah. And then uh, that seatbelt comes undone. You know, the, the other thought process was maybe he had both an MCL and an ACL injury. I think the MRI only revealed an uh, ACL injury. And um, unfortunately, Jimmy's done for the season. So, you know, we'll look to see what his recovery is like. Not everybody's uh, a great recovery um, candidate from these surgeries, you know. Uh, some guys are never the same, and we'll see how he recovers from this. But he's got he he's got everybody. He doesn't have that TB12 uh, process going on, so we'll see what where 
what kind of recovery he has. Yeah, well, Brady towards ACL. Remember that? Conta, yeah. Conta. But he's even, he's eating avocado ice cream and having TB12. Well, so. maybe that's the secret. Well, that's what I'm saying. Not everybody eats that. Well, maybe so. he should. He should read the TB12 book and see what Tom Brady eats for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But my question was, Jimmy Garoppolo, not really known for being a mobile quarterback, right? Not a runner, no. but he's mobile. He can move yeah. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So I would he, say he he's an athlete and he 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 can he can move. He's not immobile. He's not just going to sit in the pocket, but um he was just a guy trying to make a play, trying to get a couple of yeah. extra yards and should have done the smart thing and I think uh kids out there that are uh playing QB should take a a lesson from this, you know, take the take the couple of yards, get out of bounds. Play another, you know, you've got the first down. Play the play another series, you know. Now get, get the f out of bounds, dude. That's that was gonna be my comment. <laughs> but that's all I was gonna say. Okay, from a but from a medical standpoint, was aside from getting out of bounds, obvious. Is yeah. it, aside from getting out of bounds, is there anything that he could do to, like, prevent? Yeah, because yeah. it seemed like he just took a st- took a step. He didn't even really cut. He just kind of planted, even, right? And that was it. So, you know, this is a big thing out there right now. Um, And it actually goes down to the high school levels. We actually see that women tear their ACLs way more because they're... You're saying Jimmy's a girl, dude? Well, maybe. It might be. We (laughs) might have to check. (laughs) But um, the reason why is that uh, most women are more quad dominant, right? And so when they say you jump off of a box... What happens is that they land more forward with their quads, right? Okay. Rather than men who are a little bit more hamstring and glute dominant, and we fall back on uh, bracing our falls with our glutes and our hamstrings. Um, you know, in these scenarios, it's just the the type of activity that they're they're engaging in. These guys are strong all around. And for him, they're going to work on that glute. They're going to work on that hamstring so that he can properly support that knee. You know, it, these are just a, a lot of the times just freak issues. So here's a, a big discussion that we had last year. One, one, one week. It was my hypothesis, non-medical background hypothesis about a- ACL injuries. I thought that was, this is – stay with me here. Sure. It's a little bit confusing. So there are a lot of ACL injuries in football. Right. Non-contact, just right. plants and tore their ACLs. But because those guys are so big and so strong and their muscles are so big, my hypothesis was if you put 22 of me out on, a fo- on an NFL football field, would I tear as many ACLs as the guys in the NFL? Like, yeah, I'll probably tear, I'll probably tear like my the hand. force production yeah. capabilities. Okay, of them so like me as, a, as a, a normal, fairly healthy twenty-eight year old, don't work out a ton, but am athletic enough that I can move Loves around. Loves candy corn pumpkins. Well, yeah, I love my candy corn <laughs> pumpkins. I'm snacking on, but okay, yeah, I'm probably a lot more likely to tear a hammy because I don't, I'm right. not in that kind of shape, but. Uh, would I be out of a, a, a lesser risk of tearing ACL or is it just like completely the same? So I think you, you may even be at a higher risk. Um, so, you know, that musculature does help um, to support. Like I said, the things that you want to do is you want to be able to properly support your legs and so on. Right. So 
hamstrings and glutes need to be strong so that they can stabilize and, and protect you a little bit more, right? So a lot of it has to do with a couple of things. One, do you even have a predisposition to tear? Because some people tear things a lot easier and a lot uh, faster than other people, right? Uh, look at the NFL for for quarterbacks who stay for a long period, longevity in there, right? They Manning, for for instance, Eli has pretty much remained pretty stable, right? Guy's not huge, like you said, yeah. But he also works on a lot of core, a lot of single leg stability exercises, things like that. Even in golf, they're doing all these types of stability exercises, right? So you want to concentrate on things that are going to kind of keep you upright and so on. The average person, if you're doing start stops and you just go to make a cut, that's when you're going down. Yeah. And that's that's just your guess is as good as mine. But people who are, don't have more developed quads and um, uh, hamstrings, I mean, and uh, glutes, they're going to be at a little bit higher risk. So I would have it thought, was an interesting question. Yeah. I think it's it's quite the interesting. I would have thought I I think my conclusion last year was I would have thought the opposite, but Well if yeah. you think about like intramural sports for adults. Yeah. Yeah. Like these people sit at a desk all day and then they go sprint and yeah. cut all over the field. Their muscles like aren't prepared to do that and to stabilize a joint yeah. when like your glutes aren't firing no. because you're yeah. sitting on your ass all I get day. That. So do you think they tear their do you get a lot of torn ACLs just from like Intramurals? Intramural activity? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Peach, remember? So, <laughs> the turkey bowl. ACL tear. <laughs> so the other thing, too, is that, you know, if you go in there, you're already dominant somewhere, right? Some muscle on your leg is a little bit more dominant than the other, and every, nothing is compensating properly, right? So if they're not firing in unison, right, there's a higher chance uh, of tearing. Like... You know, a good example of of muscle bulk and what what this player injured was let's cross sports and go to, to the Mets. Cespedes, right? So Cespedes is squatting like 2,000 pounds, lifting people over his head, you know, throwing trucks, whatever he's doing. And he's huge. His legs are massive. But what did he injure more of? His quad. Right. So flexibility plays a big deal. Uh, uh, the uh, um, the muscle bulk and, and development of your 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 muscles uh, play a big deal. Knowing how to land and actually properly jump um, plays a big deal. Also, things and I'm going to use a big word. Biomechanics make a big difference. Do you have flat feet? Do you do your ankles cave in or pronate? Right. All of those things contribute to the way that you run and can predispose you to further injuries, right? So it's not as simple as, hey, I don't have as much muscle. It's a lot of things is, how are you training? Are you overtraining? You know, are there different um, biomechanical errors, if you will, um, that are contributing to all of these things, right? So it's not just one particular thing. It's not easy to say, Hey, yeah, you know, you're more likely to tear than this person, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, those who have predisposing factors like those errors and the dominance in the quad muscles and, and, and flexibility issues, those people would be more um, uh, higher risk to tear than other people who don't have those things. 
good explanation. Yeah, good discussion. Put our uh, point to rest. All right, so another San Francisco had a rough weekend for injuries. They really did. Uh, Richard Sherman, cornerback with a heel injury. Um, I don't know if, who wants to take this one. I didn't see. Uh, we don't. We don't, we don't have a video for this one. But I guess the point that I wanted to make was last season when Richard Sherman tore his Achilles. I believe he tore his right Achilles last year. Going into the game, he had Achilles pain. I think he was like questionable going to the, this game with Achilles pain. Played in the Thursday night game and tore his Achilles. Now, this past weekend, he had heel pain or developed heel pain in the game. I forget if he came into it with that or not. But eventually, he left the game and came back on the sideline wearing a boot. So to me, I wanted to point this out that he might have learned from his lesson last time to not push through something that might seem like a small thing that becomes a big thing when you don't take care of it. So I, that, that's the only reason why I wanted to uh, put this one up there. Uh, and he also made a really good play earlier in the game that I thought was super impressive just to just to kind of prove that you know he's coming back off of a serious injury and a lot of times uh, an Achilles injury is probably like the end of someone's athletic career especially playing it in the NFL yeah you know guys come back from it but it is it, it's a season injury uh, season ending injury um, it's going to take you quite a while it's probably a good nine months of recovery as well um, but you know it's a good thing that you bring up because the Achilles attaches on to the heel or the calcaneus bone. And, um, you know, this is a good example of what you're talking about, player recognition. You know, hey, did I learn from my previous injury? Sherman's known to be one of those guys that always goes back into the game because he doesn't want to let his teammates down, right? He'll play through injury, he'll give you everything he's got, and he'll throw his body at that. Um, and this, I think, goes back to your idea of toughness. It's knowing when to say, you know what, I'm going to hurt my team more because if I get injured and tear an ACL, I'm gone for the rest of the season, you know, whereas I can kind of shut myself down for a week, kind of give this a little bit of uh, therapy, um, stretching, icing, all that other good stuff, and perhaps get myself back into proper shape and reduce my risk of tearing. And so, you know, I think that uh, Sherman did a really good thing here. Um, and I do, uh, believe that, um, you know, some guys when they, like we've always said, some guys really recover well from injuries. Other guys don't. And yes, uh, you know, Achilles can, uh, injuries can end a career, but what it will do is usually there'll be a little bit of a loss of explosion, um, that we'll see from them just kind of, uh, getting off the line or running or anything like that. Um, you know, it, it's, it's all de depends on your recovery and what type of recovery, what kind of things are going on in the recovery process. Next injury up is New York Giants tight end Evan Ingram uh, with a sprained MCL. Also, no video for this one, uh, but he was hit uh, during or because he was kind of tackled low by a, a Texans defensive back, uh, Kareem Jackson, to be specific, um, after a catch while he was running down the sideline. Um, and he kind of like somersaulted out of bounds from what I read. <laughs> but there was multiple instances throughout this game when we were watching because it's a local game for us. Uh, 
where it seemed like the Texans' defense was really going super low. And there was one time where I saw Saquon take a hit, like, to the knee, it looked like. I was, like, I was surprised he didn't have a torn ACL with, like, how hard he took a hit. Um, I was wondering if you guys kind of felt the same way. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't uh, – I wouldn't say it was the whole team, but it was the, definitely the secondary guys, safeties, corners. Um, almost every one of their tackles is – and it's not like they're tackling low and wrapping up. They're running full speed – and diving shoulder first at the legs of uh, at the offensive guys. Um, there's a quote from the Giants head coach from just this afternoon. He said uh, when he was asked about Ingram's injury and if he thought what kind of play he thought it was. And he said, you guys saw the injury. They hit him low. They tried the same thing versus Saquon. Uh, I think that was by design. Um, obviously, he's very biased, so he, he he's making it sound like, yeah, they designed to hit our guys low specifically, which I don't think is true. But I think what something that we talked about early in the season, I think the Texans are coaching their specifically their defensive backs to hit low. Like, like we said, if a tight end's running – We'll get into this later. If a tight end's running up the sideline and you try to hit him high, one, you risk a helmet, and two, you risk stiff arm in the yeah. face yeah. on Monday Night Football. <laughs> That's what you risk. You risk not tackling him. Um, Being so a highlight on ESPN. Just, I, I do think that – then this is kind of the first – maybe it's the first team that I've noticed, but it's the first team that I've seen consistently tackling low. Um I, I, you can get into dirt. Is, is it dirty if he doesn't get hurt? And if he does get hurt, it is dirty, maybe. But um, it was noticeable to me, at least watching the game. Being a Giants fan, I was like, this is Bush League. I was just like pissed the whole damn time. But I totally get it. I totally understand. Hey, you know, you're going to try to go take out these guys. Saquad Barkley, I mean, come on. The guy's got like giant legs. You got to attack him just lower to, to try to get him off uh, balance and so on. When I saw the hit, um, I thought this was going to be a bit of a knee contusion and um, on top of it, some sort of ligament damage. But, you know, I wasn't sure just because of the way that 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 he suffered it and the way that he kind of like somersaulted out of bounds and initially got up and he was running. So I said, oh, you know, it just looked worse than it was. But then, you know, he was out of the game and MCLs, we have three grades of MCLs. We've got a grade one, which means that the there's no tear and that um, there's just pain at the, the site of the, the MCL on the inside of the knee at the at the uh, thigh bone. Uh, grade two is a partial tear and grade three is, is a full tear. With this, it said sprained, so I'm assuming it's going to be a grade one that they're talking about. It, at worst, grade two. Um, you know, they're going to fit him for a brace and... You know, he's likely going to be either out a week or two or even even in the game with a brace this week. Um, they're going to see how he's doing, see if he can cut, um, and then they'll probably uh, make a game-time decision on him. Um, even so, he's going to be playing in some pain. So from a fantasy standpoint, probably lower, lower uh, expectations and watch for game-time status because he'll likely be um, either upgraded at the very end uh, uh, of the week or just downgraded to being out for the week. The point that I want to make on this particular injury and I guess the fact that the Texans seemed like they were going low on a lot of guys is the the helmet rule or the yeah. lack there of the helmet rule that we've seen in the first few weeks because the lower you get, the harder it is to not leave with your head. Right. So 
to me, it's almost like if they're calling more helmet penalties, like you can kind of deter away from that. It kind of forces you to hit in that above the knee, below the shoulder strike zone if you're trying to not lead with your head. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think they set the precedent pretty even in the preseason when they were calling a lot of helmet penalties. Um, if you were making contact below the knee, regardless of if you dove straight at him and speared speared him in the shin, they like they didn't seem interested in calling that. Even um, in the preseason, correct. So, it's, do you think they'll we'll ever get to a point where it should be a penalty or it could be a penalty? Um, these type of hits. Well, I mean, think about it. Like it's it's a penalty to go like below the knees to cut a lineman who's like engaged and stuff like that. So I don't see, you know, how it's that much different on doing it on. I mean, if it was a defenseless receiver, it might be, I don't know. Would it be a penalty? No. Like it, to me, that should be because like Gronkowski a few years ago, and there's plenty of instances where guys are just not knowing where, you know, or they're held up and someone goes for their knee, which I think was the Saquon situation. Like yeah. he was kind of stuck and yeah. some guy just came right in his leg. But I don't know. I feel like we've been seeing a lot of lower extremity injuries this year already, just straight off the bat. And I do wonder if it is a consequence of the fact that, hey, you can't hit up high anymore, right? So everybody's shifting their their way of tackling. I don't even know if coaches know how to tell their players to tackle anymore. I think everybody's confused. I wrote an article about uh, this like a few years ago. And some like data analytics company did like tried to prove my point or my hypothesis that with, you know, limiting the or trying to limit the number of head helmet to helmet hits that they're causing more knee injuries and they said that there wasn't like a correlation at all actually but it was like interesting hypothesis yeah uh okay so we'll look out for that this upcoming week to see how the texans are tackling and see if they made any adjustments or if that's what they're going for this year because they think they can that that's the most effective way to not get penalized who knows uh, all right, another injury is Atlanta Falcons safety Ricardo Allen with the torn Achilles. We talked about this uh, a little earlier. And is there a video for this one? No, no video on this one. No video, but what's the significance for the team for the Falcons there, Josh? From a Falcons standpoint from the defensive side of the ball, this is like their third, I think, third starter already who's been placed on IR with a season-ending season injury. Uh, we talked about. Keanu Neal week one who had the ACL in the Thursday night game against the Eagles um, where he got hurt, came back in, got hurt again. Um, and then one of their linebackers, Deion Jones, um, also has, I think, a knee. Um, and he's got he got put on IR. So first from a Falcons standpoint, they're, they might be the most uh, injury-struck team so far, at least from the defensive side of the ball, on one side of the ball. Um, so they're kind of racking up the injuries, which makes it hard for any team, but did we see exactly what Patrick Robinson had with his ankle? Yes. Yeah, the video is is there. He basically a lineman was trying to cut him, right? Yeah, it was it was like a sweep or a, like a lead where uh, the offensive lineman pulls, um, and the O lineman, like you said, tried to cut. It's a illegal block. Just basically dives at the legs of the defensive player, um, and. The oh. yeah, the corner for the Saints just tried to like 
jump back kind of just mm-hmm. to avoid it, and he ended up getting just rolled up on by the offensive lineman. Yeah, who was trying to cut him. Yeah, and I, I when I found this video, it it there was a whole Twitter feed started by Will Blackman. Mm-hmm. He's playing the Packers. Yeah, so a former NFL guy. I think I'm guessing he played in the secondary too. He was a return specialist, but he was a corner. Yeah. Right. And basically, the premise of like the whole Twitter feed was that if you're going to protect the quarterbacks, protect everyone because he's saying that this was like a cheap hit or whatever. I'm just saying it was an interesting point to make. You yeah. know, is that I think the players appreciate, I guess, the initiative to try to make the game safer, but they might feel like. It, it's only for certain people. Yeah. I think this was just unfortunate. I mean, it's just more unlucky than anything else. Yeah. It wasn't like. I don't it, think you could have really yeah. prevented yeah. this. Definitely yeah. wasn't intentional. And it's just, yeah. it, that's what chalked it up to f- happen. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's similar to injuries like um, going back to, to the Giants and Jalapeno. Um, yeah. It just rolled yeah. on, on the back of his ankle and he broke yeah. his leg. You, you know. Yeah, you see it a lot in interior offensive linemen where they're just they're upright blocking and their O-line buddies got taken down and they just roll and they just get rolled up on. You see it happen a lot. But We'll finish off the injuries for the week with a, a few concussions. And I just happened to find this uh, video of – um, a double whammy concussion on the same play that both guys gave each other concussions, and it was in the Green Bay-Washington game. Uh, Morgan Moses, offensive tackle, and Green Bay Packers linebacker uh, Nick Perry. Uh, just oh. what easy names this week for you. Yeah, yeah I could do these. <laughs> but to me, these are kind of like – unintentional like can't ever really take them out of the game type yeah. type plays it's like you see these you see these sometimes and uh, sometimes it's like a friendly fire a lot where this type of thing happens where so Perry and Moses are on opposite sides of the field to start right one's on the left one's on the right I think Moses is the right tackle um and Perry's technically the right outside linebacker but they're on other sides of the field so they're both going around so Perry's coming around to get the quarterback Moses is blocking on the other side um and they just meet behind the quarterback because they kind of just that's the path that it gets taken um and this is one of those ones where they just clearly have no uh I don't know they don't they don't know the other's coming yeah um and it's more of a surprise concussion than anything else because um and like you like we've said it seems like a lot of these times these concussions are ones where the, the guys just don't they have no time to see it yep. or brace for it, and those are and now this one, if you look at it, it's not a huge hit, like it's not gigantic contact, but it's more of a a shock to the system than anything yeah. else. It's it's like a surprise hit, you know. Uh, amongst football players, linemen have the most concussions. They're always smacking into each other, you know. And this is similar. A lot of these types of hits are happening on numerous plays and numerous snaps. And it's funny because I, I don't believe a lot of the linemen report these types of uh, hits and injuries, right? So we definitely find um, that, you know, as we go along with, you know, looking at CTE and things like that, we're, we're going to see a lot of linemen probably have uh, traces of CTE in their brains if they donate their brains to, to uh, science uh, for research. Um, and it's all this micro trauma that keeps happening. And if you think about just every play, as soon as the ball is snapped, 
these guys go crashing right into each other. So yeah, and uh, I mean, I've been in football for a long time, and a lot of the teaching points or coaching points, like the point, one of the points of contact, like is your face, mm-hmm. like underneath their chin or underneath their, you know, the crown of their head or whatever. So you know, if that's what's being taught, obviously you're going to hit your head quite a bit if every single play you're doing that. Uh, last injury before we get into the roughing the passer conversation is uh, Cleveland Browns quarterback Tyrod Taylor. Uh, no video on this one. I remember I was watching the game. I should have tried to take a video, but I think he basically just like slammed his face into the ground while yeah. he was getting tackled. And everyone knows about this injury because of what ensued afterwards and Cleveland Baker got their Mania. first uh yeah, got their first win in two years, right? Yeah. Dilly dilly happened. Yeah. Every the locks were undone and beer was let upon the city of Ohio. With a what do you guys think is gonna happen Ohio. next week with, with Baker right. starting getting the start? I mean, I think he's uh, just like the other rookie quarterbacks, he'll have games that he looks good, he'll have games they look bad, but I mean he seems like he has He's got a spark. He's got it. an it. He's yeah, got exactly. The, he's got the it. I mean, I mean, you don't win a Heisman Trophy for nothing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he just seems more than anything, he seems confident. He's mobile, which helps now. And he seems pretty accurate, which um, was probably the biggest question mark with him. He also has a really live arm. I mean, a bunch of those passes were just lasers. And I don't know if it was the adrenaline, but... Jesus Christ, I was like, holy. It's all about the flick of the wrist, dude. Well, a little bit of the spin on the ball, if you will. I mean, but, you know, I think I think they said a lot about him in college, obviously. But, you know, one of the things that they always harped about was how much his guys loved him. And they loved playing for him and with him. And when, that, when he came in the game, it was so electric. It was... Yeah, those guys just immediately uplifted. It was a different team altogether with them, right? And I don't know, it's kind of weird because, you know, I think a lot of people are uh, talking about, hey, is this the like the next Drew Bledsoe incident? You know, is this Or is it the next Tim Tebow? Hey, all right. Both Heisman Trophy winners. Tebow had an electric. Both mobile quarterbacks. Does, but, it, does it end there? But Yeah, probably. Here's... <laughs> Yeah, because I just like Tebow, so you know. But Baker could actually throw the ball, like a like a quarterback. Yeah, not. You said he has it. accuracy issues. That's what they. That's what the question mark was. Yeah, he he was pretty accurate. Um, okay, but. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to stir the pot a little bit. <laughs> and as far as Tyrod Taylor goes, going back to him, yeah, he definitely smacked his head straight into the ground. Um, and he got up and he just immediately put his hand over his helmet. Um, so they took him out, you know, unfortunately, I think that, uh, unless Baker gets injured, he's going to be riding the bench for here on out. Agree. All right. It, and so it begins roughing okay. the passer. Josh, you got some, some stats to, to rip off for Uh-oh. us this week. Right, so we'll do, cast. Yeah, we'll do some stats and then we'll, uh. Try to moderate this because we, we talked about it a little bit last week, right? Um, Can we come up with a new name for this? Boydcast? <laughs> or like Josh Cash? <laughs> sure. This is my time to shine. <laughs> um, so, all right. From the stat, stat perspective, there was 13 more roughing the passers this week. Ching, ching. So, we were averaging 10.5 through the first two weeks, 13 more this week. Obviously, 13 is more than 10.5. Raises the average up a little bit. Um, and notably so – 
there was four in the first half of the Monday night game last night, last night between the Steelers and the Bucks, two on each team, and probably all four. I would say maybe one would have been called in the past three to four years. I would I would imagine, but last night there's four four called. So I'll start the conversation by saying, and we have tons of videos. Uh, yes, videos of of all the roughing the passer calls. Uh, uh, coaches' reaction, player reaction, an- analyst reaction, uh, almost almost everything, and it's almost it's too much to just go back and list and read all of them. So we're just gonna have more of a discussion about it. Um, the reaction to all this roughing the passer stuff. This was my fear for the helmet rule. This is what I envisioned happening when they changed the helmet rule, um, and instead they haven't called that penalty at all so you wouldn't have even known that they made a change but instead they tweaked the rule of the roughing the passer and this is the sim- very similar reaction that i thought the helmet rule was going to get i thought we were going to see helmet rule flags um and people were going to complain about them because they weren't used to seeing them and they were saying football is getting soft um, and instead now we're seeing these roughing the passer passer penalties that are changing the outcomes of games changing the outcomes of drives obviously they're 15 yard penalties um on calls and plays that have never been called roughing the passion before. So personally, I can see both ways, right? The NFL wants the quarterbacks to play the games. Um, No one wants to see November, December games with good teams and playoff races and backup quarterbacks because you can say whatever you want. Quality of play is much worse when you have backup quarterbacks playing. That's just, that's the, that's, that's what happens in, in the NFL. There's not, there's barely 32 competent quarterbacks to make the games interesting so once you start getting into the 40s of the guys who are playing quarterback um, that's what the NFL doesn't want so on one hand you can come out and criticize them and saying oh they're they're putting the quarterback above uh, other positions Um, they're only thinking about money and revenue Um, yes and yes but it's all tied hand in hand like as a fan everyone wants to we want to see Rodgers we want to see Brady we want to see Breeze we want to see Big Ben like these are the guys that we want to see and with the NFL protecting them, it's in their best interests, yes, but it's in the fans' best interests also. Um, so they've just there's a fine line that they're kind of straddling right now, and um, I don't know what direction it's going to go because now they're starting, like we've said, now they're starting to see this backlash from fans, media, um, and the NFL has always been very quick to try to appease um, anything that comes up. So um, as an overall um, I understand it being called. And like I said at the beginning, if they're going to call it, call it every time, let people bitch and complain about it and make people learn. Um, but the last thing I want to see is now them this week to go and change the rule and then just basically go back to what it was. Cause then they're just like, and teams already lost yeah. games because of yeah. it and what's, stuff like that. Like, like now you're point? going back yeah. on your, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you guys think? You know, I, you, I think one going back to, the first podcast where we talked about it, I think you, you hit it on the, the head, um, the nail on the head, um, with saying that there was going to be propensity for flags and that this is going to cost games. We've already seen the outcome change several games already. So that's one. That's already coming to fruition. It was like Josh knew what was going to happen on this. But that's why we have it was him. like predicting. I know. Damn, he's good. Boydcast. Been around the block. I'm telling you. Um I feel that, you know, the the whole gamut of tackling is changing, right? The whole 
idea of how we approach a tackle, everything has changed to the point that no one knows what to do anymore, right? Uh, if you're going to go try to tackle a quarterback, what are you going to do? Wrap him and hold him? Um, are you going to push him and hope that he falls down? Big Ben's not going down. Cam Newton's not going to go down. You know, uh, Kevin and I talked about that earlier today. I mean, how does one now game plan for that? How does one go into practice and say, this is how we're going to approach it? Maybe we're going to go after legs. Maybe that's what we're going to do. But now you can't hit them high. You can't hit them low. Right? And you can't hit them a split second late or too hard or land on top of them. So now you're expecting this defender to process all of these things in his mind in like two seconds, adjust his body, and make the perfect hit. How does... I don't even know how a human being is able to do that in in that type of reaction time, right? It 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 just changes the game completely, and you know, it, it, in in this last uh, hit that uh, Clay Matthews got penalized on, he wasn't burping the quarterback. You know, this is what technically they teach guys to do, the way that he tackled. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Kev? I mean, you're the one who played. I I have. I mean, I'm just spectator. To me, when I, you know, see most of these penalties being called in the plays that actually draw these penalties, to the rule and to the definition of the rule, I do think that a lot of them should be penalized, including the Clay Matthews hit tackle from this weekend, because and I'm a Packers fan, and because he landed with his full body weight on the quarterback. Let me finish. <laughs> I see you. I see your your wheels turning yeah. over there, Boyd. Um, the week before, he did the burping thing. He lifted him. So by definition, technically, I think the one last week was less of a penalty than the one he did this week, based he, off of the rule. He went back to the drawing board. He he changed his head position. He didn't lift him. He just tackled through the quarterback. You can't do that with a new rule. I, so I guess my my thing is like when he. When he made that tackle this weekend, he immediately looked up to the to the ref because he knew and he knew he was wrong. He knew he was wrong, and he and he just made a big commotion over it. And in that he he says that the the NFL is getting soft. He was quoted saying that this week. So that was the first hit that really stirred everyone and got everyone riled up this weekend about the roughing the passer rule. Then the Miami Dolphins defensive lineman William Hayes towards ACL and he then blamed the helm or the roughing the passer rule on his injury. Josh, you want to take us through that? He, he sacked David Carr, um, Derek Carr. Uh, he sacked Derek Carr and you could tell he's trying to even out of the league. David Carr's getting sacked. Jesus just doesn't end. (laughs) He's uh, you could tell if you watch the video, he's trying to awkwardly not land on him, which the, the the problem with the not landing on thing is the quarterbacks aren't moving. Like, yeah. they're stationary, so you can't not land on them. Like, if they're running and you're running, so if you're a running back, I can tackle you without landing on you, you know? But if you're just standing there, you can't not, you can't not tackle and be landed on. It's just, it's like, 
like physically, I don't, I don't think it's possible. And I, all right. So with the, the dolphin guy who got hurt, his, he tried to basically kick his legs out and not land on him. And his one leg guy's foot got caught in the ground. He tore his ACL. Um, but I kind of think, so what did they do with the helmet rule in, in, in the preseason? They tweaked, they tweaked it to include intent, right? Um, you can tell intent on driving a quarterback into the ground and landing on him. Because, my, I, I, like I said, I didn't play football, but if I'm stationary and you're tackling me, you're going you're gonna to land on me. But you could also tackle me and die, duck your shoulders and forcibly drive me into the ground. And I think that point is a very good point in in relating it back to the helmet rule and the changes that they've made to from the preseason. So in the Monday night game yesterday, I don't know who the defensive lineman was from the Gerald Bucks. McCoy. Yeah, when he was tackling Big Ben, he like literally was apologizing to him like while he's bad, going man. down. Didn't land on him. Didn't didn't burp him. Didn't do anything. And he got the roughing the passer call. To me, that was like a ridiculous call because the intent was obviously not there. And he tried not to cause a penalty. I feel like regardless, we're going to shift intent, right? So now my intent is going to be to land on you, right? It. How do you tell that, right? That's that's kind of like the devil's advocate to your point, Josh. Yeah. You know, but I. I do agree with you. I mean, it's hard for you to uh, kind of measure this this whole concept of content, uh, content, intent, and it's it's really difficult because in the case of the Miami Dolphins uh, guy Clay, I mean, he just awkwardly shifted his weight and he tore the ACL because he was trying to avoid getting a penalty. And instead of roughing the passer, yeah, you know, I just, I obviously, I think right now there's been a, a major uptick in roughing the passers because they took all the judgment out of it. There is no gray area for this penalty. If you hit the quarterback, you're getting it's gonna be a flag, regardless of intent, regardless of force, regardless of location. So if you tweak the rule again to bring back, um some sort of intent or judgment for the refs. Does it go the other way? I don't know. Does right, it, but the, the thing about it, that's what they did for the helmet rule, and how many times has the freaking helmet rule been called? It yeah, hasn't. They don't call it. Yeah. Exactly. So what's the point of putting in a rule when a po- your point of emphasis, one of your points of emphasis going into the season is protecting the quarterback? But why is, But why is tackling so different than tackling a, a running back and a wide receiver? It doesn't protect those guys. They're not the Are money makers. Less, well, that, hey. yeah, that, that, that is the other thing. If you're going to yeah. get a penalty call on you for landing on the quarterback, even so like the Clay Matthew one was, again, it was an instance where it was a sack. It wasn't a – the quarterback didn't throw it in Atlanta. Alex Smith had the ball, and Clay Matthew sacked him and landed on top of him. So if you think about it, there is no difference between that and a running back catching a ball five yards past the line of scrimmage, getting tackled and getting landed on. I mean, if you take away the positionally, it's the same play. So if it's the same play and it's a penalty on this quarterback, it should be a penalty if you land on the running back too. Well, it's. I think it comes back to the defenseless player though. But like, but, but like we talked about, the quarterbacks aren't defenseless when they have the ball. Right. They're not. Before they throw it, if they're in a throwing posture looking downfield, they are defenseless in my opinion. They shouldn't be. 
How should they not be? Because, like, you can – as a quarterback, you should be able to see everything that's going on. Maybe you're less defenseless than other, uh, than other times, but I don't think you should be quantified as 100% defenseless in that, in that, in that situation. I think I can, it should be the intent to run makes it so – I mean, I can see your point. I mean, if you are planted and just about to go into your throwing motion – yeah, there's no chance that they can really change that, right? Um, yeah, you can you can pump fake with some of those things, but um, I can definitely see what you're talking about, Kev. Like, yeah, th- that guy's committed to the throw. He can't really defend himself from a hit in that situation. And if you get somebody who just comes straight at him, hits him in the gut, then we're talking about other possibilities, like things that Andrew Luck suffered, right? Uh, spleen lacerations, kidney lacerations, liver lacerations. We're talking about all those things. And that pre- that opens those guys up to that stuff too. And that's that's one of the things too with like any kind of rule or law that's put in place. It's always like, what's the residual side effect of this? You're fixing one thing to maybe create a, a whole nother problem that you didn't even think about before. Okay, so going forward a month from now, two questions, quick answers. Do you think the roughing the passer rule should be changed? And do you think there will we'll be able to see any change with a month from now? Week seven. I think it should be changed because it's costing too many games and making me very angry and um, ruining my fantasy season. And um, I do think you'll, you'll see some changes. I think you'll see changes because there's so much. There's actually a conference call like in a, tomorrow or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rules to committee. talk. Yeah, the rules committee is meeting to talk about this. I think because it's causing such an uproar and like so many people are so adamant and vocal about it that they they'd be dumb not to change it. But I just think they need to be careful to not do what they did to the helmet rule and completely negate the rule that they intended to do. Well. The helmet rule is a whole different thing because I don't, I, I still don't know if they really intended to call it the way they wrote it. Right. I feel like they wrote it just to write it, just to say it, and especially in March. So, but that's a different issue. Yeah, in March when yeah when, when there no are no games. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a different issue. <laughs> okay. Uh, so one other point that I wanted to to make was from this from the. Buccaneers Steelers game on Monday night was a wicked stiff arm, like one of the best stiff arms I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, you want to take us through it, the, the Steelers fan? You want to recreate it and put it up on the and put it up on the on the site. You kind of look like Vance McDonald. You have a little, you got a little Vance McDonald in you. And I'm as small as the other guy. You are as small as the other guy. Yeah. So I'm gonna stiff arm Waz in the face and then hurdle him twice. Over. And then, yeah. And then I'll be concussed and lost for the season. <laughs> that was like a beast mode. Kind of play. Basically, I don't know what defense the Buccaneers were playing, but uh, this tight end for the Steelers just ran a simple corner route, like a 10-yard corner route. Um, he caught the ball, ran 10 yards upfield, and it was just him and the safety on the sideline. And the safety is – Vance McDonald's a big dude. He's like probably 6'5", 6'4", 6'5", and like probably 245, 250. He's solid. And he moves a little bit. Um, and the safety for the for the Bucks is not six five and not two forty. Um, and like we've talked about, he went stood up and tried to make a tackle. Um, and 
Vance McDonald stiffed him once, stiffed him twice, and palmed him into the ground. Get the heck out of here. And then ran 50 yards for a touchdown. So it was uh, – The reason why I wanted to point that out was because, to me, that was like a violent play that, like, makes you just, like, get all sorts of jacked up and, like, just want to, like, I don't know, do a backflip in your living room. But, it, like, football can still be a violent sport and still be a safe sport where no one gets as extremely hurt as – they have in the past. I'm yeah. just saying, like, to me, this is an example of that, that it's still, like, a cool game and still, like, I don't know, a violent sport. Well, He's definitely going to be on jacked up. <laughs> well, that's kind of what the NFL, I think, deep in their heart, realizes that there's enough good stuff and there's enough plays like this where people will never completely leave. Um, and that's kind of where I think their hubris comes in for a lot of the rules that they make and whatever they do is because uh, you see a, a, a good play like this, and to the NFL they know that people are always going to come back um, regardless of other issues. Notable Josh words, hubris. Another SAT word. Here we go. Let's get studying like once all a, the time. Once a week I try to just put Stick them in there. All right. Country of origin, please. <laughs> I can't let this one go. I was – contemplating not talking about it but I have to also in this game I'm sure if you were watching it a receiver on the Bucks like ran into the wall in the back of the oh, end yeah. zone I noticed like corner, how corner corner corner, was yeah. corner? Yeah. yeah Steelers run offense oh. yeah it was Xavier Grimble. Yeah, 39 yeah. I should have known yeah. just by the number yeah. um, that's what we have you here Josh You're and Wasp uh, but anyway he ran to the wall and got hurt the trainers were attending to him and everything like that so I looked up the standards on the distance between the end of the end zone and where the wall should be. And it it says the furthest game line of the end zone should be no closer than 9.1 meters or 30 feet, or if closer dimension is required, a padded fence or wall should be installed. So technically they're like, we're, they're within the standards mm -hmm. because the wall is padded. You don't think it's padded? Uh, it didn't, it didn't look, look that way at yeah. all. It had a sign over it. Yeah. yeah. It didn't look like there was much padding mm -mm. there. It looked like it was just like a tarp. Maybe need, they need thicker padding. <laughs> Is that an NFL standard? No, it's not an NFL standard. No. But it's like, a, it's like a sports safety like yeah. organization. Yeah, because I, I, mean, I would guess that there's probably... But like you're building this multi-million dollar, sometimes billion-dollar stadium. You can't extend it 30 extra feet to give the players because they want the fans to be as close as possible to pay more money to be to be in those seats. If you're sitting first row, do you want to be 30 yards away from the end zone, or do you want to be three feet away from the end zone? That's a whole another row of seats. Do you know how much money that is? Row, one row. It's like at least. Yeah, it's like a section. Well, at least I know what. what, what camp you guys are, are I'm in. not I'm not in that it's camp just, just uh, like, whatever dude come on uh but yeah. I, it made me think of like hockey players when hockey yeah. players get like spinal cord injuries like it's because they go head first into the wall the bottom yeah the bottom the bottom of the wall not the glass yeah, yeah. when they like they lose their skates and they wipe out and they end up that's what that's where you see the most serious hockey injuries and that's why hockey did the smartest thing they've ever done and was change the icing rule because in the past, they, you had to touch it to get the icing, and there's races, Just and they'd straight yeah, up in you'd there. wipe out. And if you hit the lower part of the boards and not the glass, the glass has so much give that it's – that's why hockey players don't get hurt. Because when they get checked up into the glass, hey. there's just so much glass. There. But um, when they change the icing rule – Hey, we're thinking innovation right here. What if we implement the technology in hockey boards to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers end zone wall? 
Plexiglass. Yeah, that gives as you move into it. It's probably more expensive. You could do that. Um, a lot of replacements, and I think they have the money. <laughs> but I think the other the other comparison is Major League Baseball, right? And because you see warning track. Yeah, well, the warning track, but you see a ton of guys running into the wall all the time. Um, and in arena football, they don't even have a wall. Those guys are going over right, over but, the wall and the, into the, the cement. The difference between baseball and football is that when you're out of the end zone in football, it doesn't yeah. matter what the hell you do. Exactly. Whereas in baseball, like if you true. can get that ball, like, you might be saving a home run. It's very true. So just an interesting discussion. Okay. Uh, no, how, were there any helmet rule penalties this week? I don't think no. so. Of course. Uh, one ejection, Denver Broncos running back, Philip Lindsay or Lindsay for throwing, throwing some, some bows around. Uh, NFL uh, way to play player of the week. Dallas Cowboys linebacker, Jalen Smith, uh, this is basically a video where he just lights up Eli Manning, like just lights him up. And that's, this is another good example that football can still be violent and fun. You can still hit the quarterback really freaking hard and not get a penalty for it and actually get rewarded for it the next week for making a safe play and a safe tackle and doing it the right way. Uh, so I think it's a cool idea that the NFL is still implementing. I think it's an interesting choice that they made for this particular uh, way to play event was this the play with the eli meme face no 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 different one, different one. yeah he did get but like he got crushed yeah he was as, as a runner he was yeah, running yeah the he, ball. he yeah. was he was past line of scrimmage and jalen smith basically just stood there and like forearm shivered him and he went, he went down <laughs> i think uh i think this i think we might get a Steeler winner this week oh they've done a lot of primetime games mm-hmm. we i'm just all i'm gonna say i'm well, saying you know, there might be a Steeler. What, winner. what's your guess let me see it what was the play the uh, early in the game, Joe Hayden broke up a ball. Um, it was a huge hit, and like anytime you see a hit like that, you're like looking around for flags. Um, but there was no. Oh hit. yeah, you you texted me no flags, mm, no flags, no flags. So mm. I think that's they've been keen to I think doing the, to reward that the, kind of the, stuff and the prime time games. I think they like to put. It on, I don't know. So we'll see. That's that's my prediction. So I watched the Junior Seau thirty for thirty. I don't know if you guys got a chance to yet. No. Uh, maybe we could discuss it next week if you guys do. It's long. It's like an hour and 20 minutes. But I was telling Waz before that, to me, Junior Seau's demise, I guess you could say, was his definition of toughness. And it's the exact definition of toughness that I'm trying to change on the podcast by having this you know, injury report and my own interviews that I do uh, on the other aspect of the podcast because he just couldn't asked for help and he couldn't get rid of that tough guy persona uh, when he needed help and throwing his body around and playing with concussions. Like in, in this thing, he literally said, he's like, I've had a, I've had a headache since I was 15 years old. He said, cause he just always had concussions. Um, so yeah, maybe that'll be a topic of discussion for next week. I want to thank you guys again for all your hard work and preparation to make this episode possible. And we'll be interested to see what the NFL changes or does not change in terms of the roughing the passer rule uh, absolutely i guess so everyone go over to headsandtails.org backslash injury reports and you'll find this episode along with all the show notes and videos that we have for uh this episode and all other episodes all right see you guys next week next week